Hello, lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience, can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is Lunar Abundance. Do you have a fascination with the moon? I am the biggest fan. I am a sun sign of cancer, so the moon and I are deeply connected, but I've always been fascinated. The moon is flow. The moon is our feminine aspect. It is the opportunity to go within. And today we're talking about how to understand the phases of the moon and how to connect with these rhythms for greater abundance. We talk about the correlation between our feelings and energy and the phases of the moon. We go into what it would take to heal and transform the feminine within us and to get to our core needs and desires and how to express ourselves and ask for what we need. Dr. Ezzy shares about her ReLove program to help women move out of toxic relationships and into their own feminine power. Dr. Ezzy started out as a lawyer in Australia. She worked in the area of women's safety, which led her to complete a PhD in emotional well-being after domestic abuse. During her doctorate, she started personally coaching women on well-being. First through her coaching and then also books and talks and retreats, Dr. Ezzy has supported tens of thousands around the world to heal and harness their personal power. And now she's helping women to find love after toxic relationships by helping them rebuild self-confidence, rekindle their optimism about the future, and finally feel the courage to put themselves back out there to attract real love. She's also the author of Lunar Abundance, Cultivating Joy, Peace, and Purpose Using the Phases of the Moon. So with no further ado, Dr. Ezzy Spencer. Hi, Dr. Ezzy Spencer. Welcome to our show. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Yes, and I'm looking forward. We are talking about lunar abundance today, amongst many other things about relationships and the power of them and just basically diving into our life right? As women, as powerful women <laughs> in the world yeah. and how we can continue to expand this in so many different ways. And I'm thrilled that you're here with us. I, you know, I have to say I am a sun sign of a cancer. So <gasps> oh. the moon is very important to me in my life. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think I have a disproportionate number of cancerian suns and moons definitely in my readership. So. <laughs> right. I mean, right. Yeah. So um, so anyways, you have really one of the most aesthetically beautiful and, and beautifully like laid out books with so much wonderful information called Lunar Abundance, Cultivating Joy, Peace, Purpose, and Using Using the Phases of the Moon, and then also this amazing reflective journal. And so I wonder if you can just take us back a little bit to your connection with the moon and your connection um, really of healing with the cycles of the moon. And for anybody that doesn't even know what that is, like what do we need to know about the cycles of the moon and how we interact with those? 
Oh, absolutely. So firstly, thank you so much about the book. I loved making my book. I really wanted it to be essential embodiment of the lunar abundance practice. And so it had to be like alive and joyful and colorful and, you know, full of those beautiful moon graphics as well. Because, you know, the way that I started working with the moon cycle was, you know, really when I was a little girl, I had that you know, real fascination with the moon, which I think so many, um, you know, so many children have, right? And I was a really magical child. So I was really connected to the cosmos and, you know, to all of like the energies and, and all of the things of the fairy world and, and all of it. So I feel like that magic though was something that I lost when I grew up a little bit. I ended up getting the grades to go to law school when I was finishing up high school. And I'm Australian, as you can probably tell from my accent and, and in Australia, you can go into law school uh, directly out of high school. And so I started to get, uh, I guess, my my mind was very much sort of, uh, I guess, like went into that more rigorous, like masculine, rational, linear, goal-oriented way of, of thinking. And I think there were elements of that which were really positive for me because I was a real dreamer growing up. And so there was part of, I guess, that more masculine world, which balanced me out a little bit. But I think I went too far the other way. So when I was working in the law, I was really caught up in the push and the hustle and the grind and the go, go, go. And I guess I found like there was something that was elemental missing from my life. I was living from the the neck up. I really wasn't connected in with my own body cycles and rhythms or let alone the rhythms of nature. And so I was really walking that line of burnout. And I was doing meaningful work, like the, the, I was more on the human rights side of the law. I worked with uh, more domestic violence and domestic abuse and, and that kind of thing. So it was like the work I was doing was really meaningful, but I was still really missing, missing something because I didn't have that balance and integration and connection with myself really. And so that's what brought me back to working with the, with the moon. And I was, I guess I would say a bit of a seeker in my twenties because I was searching for something that I was missing in my life and so I really got into meditation very early on um, and I was searching for different ways of 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 connecting me with something that I couldn't even articulate what it was that I was missing. And then at some point I looked up at night and I saw the moon and I got reconnected in with, I guess, you know, her magic and her mystery. And she's always been a bit of a muse for me as I think, again, she's been for for so many over the ages. And I feel like, you know, she, she really guided me back to myself and I've always kept a journal and I started to draw in the moon phases into my journal. So, uh, uh, the full moon is an example of one of the moon phases. The new moon is an example of another one of the moon phases. I actually work with eight moon phases now. And what I found when I draw in those moon phases, like just a little picture of the moon in my journal, I found that there was a correlation between where the moon was in the sky and what was going on for me. So what I was feeling, you know, my emotions, my energy, you know, my, you know, what, whether I was say more introverted or extroverted and, you know, wanting to go or wanting to draw back in and, and rest. And over time, I found that those correlations repeated and the moon cycle is just a short cycle. It only goes for one month. So it's a very trackable cycle. And so I started to see that there were patterns that emerged between where the moon was in the sky and how I was feeling. Um, And those patterns would repeat, which gave me a sense of predictability about how I might be feeling at, at certain times of the month. And so I just leaned in hard to that because it was so fascinating to me. And I started to talk about it because I just got so excited about it. You know, the times where I would 
I would lean in more and there would just, you know, be more of a, uh, I guess, more, more energy because I was really listening to, to myself and, and tuned into myself, connected in with my own intuition and, you know, my own energy. And then there were times where I just gave myself that permission to allow myself to be a little bit more introverted or more reflective in that way. And I think that really going with the, the ebbs and the flows of the moon cycle in, in that way and having that permission to do that really connected me back in with myself. It connected me back in with the more feminine aspects of myself, which are much more around like the listening and the being and the resting, the restoring and the reflecting. And then I started to find that I was actually a lot more... I guess, in tune with what it was that I actually wanted to do. So I was more connected in with my real purpose, why I was here on earth. I also was a lot more productive, funnily enough, because even though I was working less, because I was not so much in that hustle and the grind, I found that I was able to achieve a lot more, which seemed very counterintuitive, but very exciting to me. Um, and I also started to work with intentions. Um, so, you know, setting an intention at, at the new moon. And so there were many elements of the practice, which I developed over the years. And I just used to talk about it with people because it was so endlessly fascinating to me. And this was before the moon was big on Instagram and, 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 you know, this is a while ago now. This is a good 10 years ago. And so, you know, people hadn't heard this before. So people would just like want to know more about it. You know, eventually they started to assume it was my job because I was so passionate about it. And I started to do sessions when people asked me how they could pay me to work with me. And then I started to do events and then I started uh, coaching and then I started you know, it just sort of continued just to grow in these magical ways. And so I ended up, you know, eventually having a global coaching company and traveling the world and have now worked with, the, you know, sort of connected with tens of thousands of women around the world through through the Lunar Abundance book. So it's just been this incredible journey um, of magic and, and mystery. But coming back into that beautiful integration, I think, of the, of the feminine and the masculine has, has been a, a core part of that. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting. Um, I mean, the moon is like famous now, right? Cause <laughs> like you said, this was 10 years ago, but, um, I think people, more people are tapping into this and, and, and understanding how we move with nature, right? Cause this is one of the ways that we are influenced by nature, you know, nature informing us and then us experiencing life through that information. And I think it was interesting when you were showing the different eight phases of the moon and it seemed to um, go back and forth between yin and yang, yin, yang. Like it wasn't four phases you go through yin, right? And then four phases you go through your masculine energy. It was alternating. Can you tell me how that shows up in life for us? Yeah, look, I mean, I started this practice very much as a, as, as, as a practice, which meant that it had to be practical. It had to give something of meaning to my life because I was coming from that place of feeling really burnt out. So it wasn't so much an intellectual exercise for me. It was more like, how can I find a way to be able to, you know, manage my energy and harness my energy and connect with myself? That was my starting point. And so what I found when I started to work with the, with the moon, I would find like, a, you know, say just working with the new moon or just working with the full moon, it just wasn't giving me enough of that practical support in my life, right? Because the, the, those are just two moon phases, like, you know, and it's, it, it, it wasn't, you know, it's sort of something interesting to drop into and look at. Um, and then I also was looking at, say, working with the four phases, just as you said. And again, like, it just wasn't giving me enough of that sense of, of connection with myself. And then I tried working with the moon every single day, you know, throughout the moon cycle. And, and I still do that through uh, my intention 
intention setting practice and, and sitting with my intention each day throughout the moon cycle. But I found that kind of journaling every single day with the moon ended up being a little bit taxing. Like I, I worked as a, <laughs> as a lawyer full time, right? So that's kind of where I got to the Goldilocks spot of like, okay, well, what's, what makes a lot of sense for me in terms of, of, of giving, having this be a natural timekeeper, which is going to be very supportive of my life, but isn't going to be something that sort of takes over my life. And so that's really where I came to the eight phase uh, moon system. And that's something which has been, you know, a lot of people over the, uh, you know, over the years have worked with the eight phase moon system. That wasn't something that was new to me. But you know, what I found was that, you know, working with the yin and the yang phases of the moon, that's something that I got from um, the work of Sandra and David Mosley, which I talk about in the book, was a way to, again, give myself some kind of practical support in the very specific um, sort of the push and the hustle and the grind that I was in. And the way that that worked was those alternating phases, just as you said. So the first phase, the new moon phase, the first of the eight moon phases is a young phase or a doing phase. It just gets you going. It kicks kicks off the cycle. It's a young phase because it's the start of the cycle. So you need that action and initiation to, to start the cycle. And the action there is around setting an intention. Um, but then the next phase would be a yin phase or a being phase, which then would be uh, an opportunity to actually, you know, lead back and so each one of these eight moon phases goes for three or four days a piece and so what that means that is in the case of a week you know about half the week could be more of that doing energy the other half of the week would be more of the being energy and for me like that's such a beautiful um, you know natural kind of uh, I guess way of, of working with that integration of, of masculine feminine doing and being the yin and the yang like it's a beautiful harmony and integration what I found when I was working with the practice uh, and and certainly I would say the vast majority of the women who find the Lunar Abundance practice to be, you know, really enriching in their lives tend to be more stuck in that doing mode all of the time. So when they have the being phases, then there's actually that opportunity to um, almost have that natural permission slip, right? Uh, to then say, hey, you know what? I might not just continue to, to push myself past burnout at this particular time. I might just not take on more than I can chew at this particular time. I might give myself that opportunity to like, you know, put the phone away at night, like not try to get onto the emails on the laptop, but just like give myself a second just to reconnect with myself. You know, it's, it, and it's, it's a yin phase it's a being phase um, and so that permission slip the natural permission slip aspect of those being phases coming you know each week was actually a, a really important part of me starting to slow down and really get into connection with myself in a very mindful way like what it was that my body really needed or what it was that my heart was was yearning for you know professionally in terms of my purpose but also personally in terms of of, you know, my joy and my peace and my happiness. Mm, it's so beautiful. And that leads me to your program that you've launched called Relove. Um, how was it born? <laughs> well, that's such a good question. So I, you know, started the Lunar Abundance Practice, as I mentioned, you know, what about 10 years ago. And so one of the things that I found is that the women who would come into the into the coaching work because I had a I had a coaching program around lunar abundance. That's actually where um, you know the book sort of sprang from from the from the coaching work around lunar abundance. So I worked really deeply and intimately with hundreds of hundreds of women. Um, one of the things that I found is that the women who come into my work would initially have a sense of disconnection from their from themselves, or they'd have a sense of I guess a, you know even like the wounded feminine inside of themselves. 
And what I mean by that is like a disconnection from their own natural intuition, their own creativity, their own sensuality. And so the lunar practice was a beautiful way to help us all reconnect with ourselves. And then one of the things that I found came up over and over and over again was, well, how does this play out in connection to the other? And, you know, where's the, you know, where is that going to be like most sort of, you know, the the pointy end, the most acute end of that is oftentimes in intimate romantic uh, sexual relationships. And so over and over again, what I'd find is that as women were waking up to themselves, they started to realize that they'd been, I guess, playing out these funky power dynamics in terms of their personal relationships. And so over and over and over again, I would find that women would come to me in this sense of, you know, either they had someone who was actually like full-blown toxic, you know, either as a partner or on the past and they needed support to, to navigate that, or they'd actually been trapped in a cycle of unhealthy relationships, you know, being with someone who was, you know, really not valuing their feminine or, you know, someone who was a bit unavailable and that type of thing. So, you know, there's a range of different ways where those funky power dynamics can play out in relationships. So, you know, once again, I guess I was listening to my, um, you know, my, my clients and, and, and really seeing where the need was to, to go to that next level of not just healing the feminine, but then also transforming the feminine. What would it look like to be, you know, fully attuned with what our real like needs are and our desires are and not to have any sense of like emotional baggage in terms of like feeling guilty about expressing ourselves, you know, or feeling like we might not be worth really asking for what it is that we, um, you know, so, so need, like really stepping into that powerful feminine place. And that ended up being the um, the genesis for the for the Relove program, which is what I do now, which is helping women to find love after, after toxic relationships or after they've just been stuck in that cycle of relationships that just aren't meeting their, their real desires and needs. That's awesome. Do you have like a specific, because I think sometimes when we hear the word toxic relationship, our mind can go to the really, really difficult extremes of what could be toxic. But I'm wondering if you have a definition for toxic relationships that includes a lot more. Yeah, exactly. And so it's a really good question. And the way that I really look at it is not so much to get into the diagnostics of like, okay, was my ex, did he have narcissistic personality disorder or was he a sociopath and that type of thing? It's more around, you know, looking at the impact of that relationship on your sense of self-esteem or self-confidence or self-worth. And I think what often then tends to happen, you know, after someone's been through something, it's it's less about, you know, what is the, um, you know, specific kind of issue that, that, the ex had and more around what was the impact on me and how do I want to have, uh, you know, relationships going forward. So like, what would a really like healthy, fully expressed relationship look like? And so many of the women that I work with have, you know, maybe been you know, maybe they've sort of, you know, self-diagnosed like the, you know, the narcissistic ex or, you know, indeed had had someone, you know, really support them through what it had and sometimes been, you know, the most full-blown, um, you know, experience with somebody who, who's really got a, a very disturbed personality disorder, you know, and that's just not something ever to be taken lightly and can take, um, you know, it's, it can take a tremendous amount to, to pull yourself back out of that, but it's absolutely possible to do um, through to, you know, people who are like, God, you know, this person just just never showed up for me, really. But then also, I never really had the courage to be able to 
express what it is that I needed or, or wanted in that particular situation. And because I was afraid that, you know, that he'd leave if I did, you know, and it comes oftentimes down to this core wound of, of abandonment of what might actually happen when we, you know, express what it is that we need. Um, and so that can lead into a, a sort of that funky power dynamic of suppressing our needs. So then we're not in a place where we, um, you know, are really even connected with, with what it is that is going to have us feel like we are safe and fully expressed in a relationship. So a lot of the times, you know, the women who, who, who come to me, you know, they, they, they might not even describe their, um, you know, their, 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 their ex as sort of the raging narcissist, but once we start to dive into the impact on them of what their, either their last relationship was or what the pattern or the cycle of unhealthy relationship dynamics are in their life and how it's affected even their sense of optimism and joy and hope about the future, then we, then we can really start to, to dive in and, and do this like deep, deep inner work to help that woman really step into her power and, and start to, to start to attract people at a whole different level. Um, and it's just fantastic to see what, what starts to happen when, when a woman really connects with, with her standards and, and with, you know, what it is that, you know, she, you know, she, she really wants to experience in relationship and, and, and steps up and really connects with her own feminine essence and her own feminine power in that way. It can be a real game changer. Yeah, I love that. I think it's so important. I think, you know, I always view the word toxic when in relationships, like when we talk about relationships as if it doesn't feel good, right? If you're in a dynamic and you're constantly hurt by it or it doesn't feel good, um, I love your approach to really looking at like, what is the impact on me? It's not so much about the other person, but it's, it's looking at like, what's the impact on me? What is it that I actually need? I mean, I think sometimes when, when people have a pattern of being in, you know, relationships that don't feel good to them, they, they need someone like yourself to really say it can feel different right? It can be something to even just give like a vantage point of that light at the end of the tunnel for what relationship can feel like and helping them define that within themselves. So I think that's amazing. Can you share where people can find out more if they're listening to this, shaking their head? Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. So my website, ezzyspencer.com, which is spelled E-Z-Z-I-E-S-P-E-N-C-E-R, ezzyspencer.com. I have got a free video masterclass, which helps you to identify some of these signs. If this is resonating with you if you're like oh my gosh I really feel like you know I've been in relationships which haven't been what I deserve um, then it gives you some uh, tools to start to shift those and there's also uh, you can jump onto my uh, calendar if you want to have a chat about going even deeper and really stepping into that like that full transformation and stepping into your feminine mag magnetic kind of, you know, potential, which you have. And that's ezyspencer.com slash apply. So you can jump onto my calendar and we can have a chat about what it would look like to really build up this cellular knowing, like not just an intellectual sort of understanding of, yeah, I deserve better, but really that cellular knowing of what it would feel like for you to be so, you know, loved and adored and cherished and supported. Amazing. I love that. Um, and I am going to ask you the four questions now that we ask all of our guests to close out our time together today. It's based on a process I take people through called the anatomy of transformation. It's how we kind of shift our energy to a higher frequency. And so the first step in that process is truth. And I believe that when we access these deep truths inside of us and are able to start verbalizing them for the first time, that there's an amazing uh, shift that happens and it's a catalyst in our 
our life. So what is a deep truth that you've come across in your own journey, maybe recently or years back, that was a big catalyst for you? I think the power of sensuality, you know, and the power of, of a woman's turn on in terms of showing her the right way forward for her to, to support her, to make a good uh, decision for her in that moment. And certainly that's the case for me. The more and more I've been connected with my own sensuality, not being afraid of, of that feeling of actually, you know, being turned on um, and using that as a decision making tool. I feel like, you know, that's just continued to open up my own sensuality sense of of courage and freedom but also connected me deeply with my own power Mm, that's so good and the second step is release so what was it for you that really had to be released be it like a limiting vantage point like past pain whatever it was that really opened the door for you to step into that fear absolute fear and 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 fear of what would happen if I connected in with my sensuality and my sexual um you know my just my my very natural you know sexuality and um and so letting go of 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 that fear and layers and layers of that fear was absolutely transformative for me Amazing. And the third step is experience because as we release that stuff, we have a new experience of life. So even just like with sensuality and embodying your sexuality, when you look over the landscape of your current life, like how has that impacted the various areas of your life? Oh, uh, do you mean like stepping into it more? So yeah. on the other side of it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I feel like every single time I've worked through the, uh, the, the fear, and there has been layers of the fear, you know, I don't want to suggest this is something which I was like, woo, <laughs> you sure. know, I got this. It's like, no, 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 and there's layers upon layers. But every single time I work through another layer of that fear and resistance, there's so much available to me. And I would say that creativity um, and power tend to be the, the things that just keep coming up for me. So around creativity, I feel like I wouldn't have been able to, you know, make my book, the Lunar Abundance book, which I mentioned before, you know, I really wanted that to be the feminine embodiment of the practice, you know, that came from me really allowing myself to, to release and let go of the, of, of some of the fear that, that I had around that, that central embodiment inside of myself. And so I think that's been a, a huge part of it. And then my own sense of, of power. And I think that the, the, the real test or the metric for me of power and being in my own power is a sense of deeply rooted confidence, um, you know, even deeper levels of, of, of self-worth and self-esteem really on that, um, on that physical level. So, you know, really getting out of the, the head and the intellectual beliefs for me has been key and, and really anchoring in that sense of, of power and confidence on a somatic level in my body. Yeah, so incredibly powerful. And I agree with you 100% that creativity just lights up, right, from yeah. that space. So, <laughs> Awesome. And the fourth step is align, which is really how we stay in this higher vibrational frequency, be it with rituals or things that we do in our life or people we connect with. What for you keeps you in alignment? It's a really good question. And so I have a whole lot of rituals, which I do on a daily basis, because I find that if I don't have that consistent devotion to my rituals, then I'm going to um, very quickly, you know, slide back into my old patterns. And so the very first ritual that I have in the morning is always around connecting in with my intention. And my new moon intention is something I said at the start of the cycle, but I always connect in with it first 
first thing in the morning. So even before I have opened my eyes in the morning, the way that I've trained myself is to connect in with that intention. And it's very much a physical intention. So it's very much around feeling physical sensations in my body. And it's also around linking those physical sensations to elevated emotional states. So linking, you know, what I'm feeling in my body with a feeling of, of gratitude. I feel like, oh, thank God, like I'm here and connected to myself and that I have got, you know, this juicy sensuality. Um, and then also a feeling of like joy and happiness and really savoring that sensuality as well. So for me, it's absolutely key, not even to like, definitely I'm not ever, I put my phone on the other side of the room. Um, I, I'm definitely not checking my phone in the morning because if I start the morning with checking my phone, I know that's going to be an awful pattern interrupt for the day. The, the way that my days really flow in the best way is if I firstly connect in with this very somatic uh, felt intention. Um, and so that's the first aspect of it. And then I would say there's, there's plenty of other aspects as well. I always have a little bit of journaling, you know, I'm always, you know, I have my, uh, I have, I have quite a lot of practices, which, which I connect with, but I do feel like being connected with other people. So being, whether that be a, a peer group, whether that be a coach, like whoever it is, that's going to continue to hold you to that vibrational state is also very, very important. And so I make sure that I surround myself with people personally and and professionally who are going to um, just continue to help me to, to, to hold that vibration. Because again, there'll be times where life throws a curveball. There'll even be moments in the day, even if I start off the day high vibe, you know, I'll get an email, there'll be, you know, something to deal with just because that's life and just making sure that I'm able to recognize and pattern interrupt any of those um, sort of slide backs by uh, not just my own practices, but then also being surrounded um, by people who can, who can help help me to, to realign is absolutely vital. It's so true. Cause like what you put yourself around, you're exchanging energy with. And so the more you have a circle around you, whether it's a coach or friends or anybody that's of high vibration, the more you just return to that and then go, Oh, right. Like I can connect my energy right back into this and feel in a better state. Right. And when we keep our vibration high, like solutions come fast, right? Or energy shifts quickly, or we move emotion out that needs to move. It's such a powerful state. So I'm really happy you brought that up because I think sometimes people can feel like they're on an island by themselves trying to transform. And it's like, that's the hard way, right? Like get around other people that are supportive and like, and, and people that can help facilitate that next level with you. And it's really, you can flow with it. You can move with it. Yeah, I think that's so true. And it's like, it's, I think a lot of people isolate on the island because they perhaps have got, um, you know, some negative people around them. And, you know, sure. I think there's certainly a, a, it can be a bit of a, a, a stepping stone just to pull your energy back and to disconnect from others who may not be fully supportive only because of, you know, their own hassles and challenges and projections. You know, there's lots of reasons. It's, it's not intentional a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, being very active about seeing seeking out um, the kind of, of, of people. And again, you know, it can be someone that you work with if you're not, if you don't have access, you know, to, to people who uh, uh, sort of carry that high vibe for you in your day-to-day -day life. It can also be connecting in with, um, you know, books and meditations and the whole range that's available um, online as well to help you get back aligned in, into that state and not to isolate, uh, I think is absolutely key. I'm so glad you said that.
Yes. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for being with us and for sharing your program, Read Love, and your work with the world. I think it's definitely every woman that gets into her body and starts to feel empowered. That is a ripple effect that goes out to the collective and to the world. And so I love what you're doing. And thank you for hanging out with us and sharing about it. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm Shauna Lee, and you've been listening to the Soul Frequency Show podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Soul Frequency. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. Join me next week for more powerful awakenings and positive vibes. Mm-hmm.